Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Seerah, and much more. نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فهو المهتري ومن يضل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسل الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح الأمة وكشف عنها الغمة وجاهد في الله حق جهاده حتى أتاه الله اليقين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Two days ago was both Remembrance Day and Veterans Day. And it was an event that started on the 11th month of the 11th day and the 11th hour in 1918. To what they say, and we're going to discuss this, what they say is the commemoration of Armistice Day. So as if it was a peace agreement. And people use this as a day and they say this is a day to remember the fallen from all the wars and to remember how senseless war is. And so people wear poppies and they go to memorials and they go to the site of those who have fallen, the graves and so on. And we find that Muslims are under a lot of pressure to wear the poppy and not just Muslims, anybody in society, if you say you shouldn't wear the poppy, for example, and why would a person say that? But if somebody were to say that, then you are made to feel like you are unpatriotic, disloyal, not a real Canadian, in the US, not a real American, and so on. So the question is, what was this event truly about? See, here's the thing. The Memorial Day and Veterans Day and all these Remembrance Days that go around the world, it started from World War One. That's the origin of the event. So what was the cause of World War One? If you ask historians, you ask students in university, you ask journalists, you ask an intellectual, you ask anybody, you're going to get a few different answers. The answers that are given are confusing. I remember I was discussing on online forums with certain discussion groups that are graduates in history, political science, people who are very educated, university professors. And when you ask the question, what was World War One about? Why did people, why did the world go into the very first world war? And they say there was some economic this, some arch, uh, Arch uh, bishop or an arch uh, duke or arch something somewhere was killed. And really? Britain, France, Russia, Japan, Germany, Austria Hungary, Belgium, all these countries went to war. And millions and millions of people were killed over because some insignificant person was killed? That's, that's what the war is about. That's, now you look at World War II. 
that was significant. Nazi Germany was taking over Europe and they were massacring innocent civilians all over the place. <laughs> so, but then you look at World War One, you think, well, hold on a second, what's, what's this World War about? That one, the world was going to change. If Nazism won, if Nazi Germany won the war, the world would be ruled by Nazis and most likely, just like today, the world is ruled by, by, by uh, secular capitalism. They would, it's just that one oppressor took the place of another oppressor. People think, oh, it's so horrible. Well, look at, look at three quarters of the world. They're all starving and enslaved. What's the difference? It's just that instead of hating the Jews, they just enslave all of Africa, right? And, and turn Asia into a, into a, into a, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The, like a sweat, uh, sweatshops. So, but World War One, so that, that makes sense. World War Two makes complete sense. Why everyone will go to war. Europe was in huge danger. They would have taken out France and, and, and Britain and, and so many other countries. But World War One, I, I hear this a lot. I hear to protect our freedoms. A great evil was destroyed. What? What are you talking about? Does anybody here know what great evil was destroyed in World War One? The answer is the Uthmani Khilafah. Britain knew, by the way, the Uthmani Khilafah was called the old man of Europe. They knew that, it, that the Khilafah was falling down. There were so many agents, traitors working within it, working to break it up from the inside because all these traitors were loyal to Britain and France. Britain and France had infiltrated the Khilafah so thoroughly by the early 1900s. And they knew that they needed to get the Uthmani Khilafah into a war that it couldn't win. So how could they get it into this war? The Uthmani Khilafah, when the, when the war first started, the Uthmani Khilafah, the Khalifa said, he refuses to go into the, into the war. He has no purpose in it. He will not go into it. And lo and behold, Anwar Pasha, a traitor from among the Uthmani government, went and attacked Russian ships. He attacked a large number of ships. And that forced the Khilafah to enter into the war. And if you look into history, you'll find that there are many traitors among the leadership, including Mustafa Kemal. Many of them were traitors and they loved they loved secularism, they loved Britain, they loved France, they were very loyal to them. They saw the Muslims as backwards and that the Khilafah's time was over. So they helped force the Khilafah into World War One. And then we saw when the war ended, when 1918 came and the 11th hour of November, of the 11th day of November, when they had the when they had the treaty, think about it. Was it really a peace treaty? If it was an armistice saying, okay, we're going to stop fighting, that means everyone went back to their countries and everyone went back and everyone was settled and okay, you know, you, you stop fighting, we stop fighting and, and we have a treaty. Did Germany get invaded and suffer a hundred years of, of puppet traitor governments that worked for colonial interests? No, that didn't happen. Did the north of Africa and the Middle East suffer 100 years of puppet government and colonial policies and invasions and complete political impotence? Yes, we did. Who lost that war? The Uthmani Khilafah lost that war. The largest, most powerful super state the world had ever seen 
in any books of history as far as we know. 1,300 years of a state standing, ruling almost half the world, fell in World War I. They want us to think, don't ever talk about that. Don't ever think about the Khilafah. It didn't even exist. It was just a nothing. When you look at the books of history about World War I, the, the Ottoman state is just like a side issue. They don't even, because they don't want to talk about it. They don't want you to know that World War I was about the destruction of the Khilafah and the invasion of North Africa and the invasion of Lebanon and Palestine and so on. When did the, the occupation of Palestine even begin? Did it begin in 1850? Did it begin in 1899? Did it begin in 1910? It began after World War I. Britain, and by the way, here's an interesting thing. The war in 1915, three years before the war even ended, Britain had formed an agreement with Herzl to give him, Herzl is the, is the inventor of Zionism for Palestine. They agreed to give him Palestine three years before the war ended. So we understand that this was an actual invasion of our lands and the destruction of the only thing protecting our lands. And since the day that the Khilafah fell, since the day that the British and the French and the Russians, and of course with them were the, were the Japanese, but they were too weak, they didn't get any pieces of the pie, really. Primarily the British and the French, the French took Egypt, that was their piece of the cake. And the British took Saudi, they renamed it. The land of what was called Al-Hijaz, which was even further than Al-Hijaz. Al-Saud, if any of you want, and I've mentioned this before, go to Google and search Treaty of Darin. D-A-R-I-N. I want you to go and see it with your own eyes. The Treaty of Darin is a treaty between the Saudi government, or the Saudi tribe at the time, and Britain after World War I to defeat the, any leftover Uthmani influence in that land and to rule it according to British interests. They were to manage this for them. And so what Britain did, and here's the most important key point, after the British and the French defeated the Uthman Khilafah and destroyed it in 1924, the, the British understood that the only way that they would ever be able to keep Muslims under control, because they know if they colonize us directly with our own forces, Muslims would always fight back. We have the concept of defending our lands. Allah imposed jihad upon us. Somebody invades your land, you have to fight until the end of time to get them out. So they knew they can't occupy us like they occupied India and kept occupation of India for such a long time. They realized that when they kept forces in India for such a long time, people kept on fighting them and fighting them and fighting them. They had to find a way out. They found the trick. They said, what we should do is find traitors from among them to rule them in our, according to our colonial policies. Are the people in India any better off since the British were there? Are the people in Iraq any better off since the British were there? Are any of our lands better off after we were independent? We have our Independence Day, 1945. Independence Day, 1950-something. And we all celebrate, we all wave around Pakistani flags, independence. What have you done since your independence? You can't even liberate Kashmir. You can't even free a single person. We can't liberate Palestine. Surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of millions of Muslims, we can't liberate Palestine. It's because 
It's not because we're weak. It's because our governments are, are, we are colonized. We are in, we are currently occupied still since World War I. So we have to understand the truth behind Remembrance Day is we're not commemorating the fallen. And you know, they say, by the way, they say that we're, we're, we're commemorating the fallen from all the soldiers. Everybody who, who fell in a war, they say this all, a lot. Well, okay. So World War Two, we, we remember World War Two. Of course, we remember the fallen from World War Two. Okay, so when you were a poppy, you're remembering the Nazis? No, you're not. Nobody says, let's sit here and remember the fallen from the Nazi soldiers, Hitler and and uh, Himmler, or whatever their names were. Nobody sits there and remembers the fallen from the from the Nazis. They remember the fallen from the Allies. The Allies are Britain, France, and so on, and they were the Central Powers, which in the World War they're called the Central Powers, and the other one, the next war is called the Axis. But that's the thing. So that's the that's the truth behind World World War One is a commemoration of the Allied soldiers destroying the Khilafah. And do you know how many Muslims were killed in that process? 2.5 million Muslims were killed in that war. And do you know what was so important? Aside from the fact that, what, do we forget about the Crusades? The Khilafah had been at war with the Crusaders for centuries. And by the way, when World War I was finished, trying to remember his name, General Allenby went to Al-Quds, found the grave of Salah al-Din al-Ayyubi, rahimahullah, stepped on it and said, now the Crusades are over. That's what he said. This is the truth of World War I. And it's not to say that we hate Canadian people or American people. It's very important to recognize the difference. When we're talking about governments, foreign policy, it's not the same as talking about civilians. I've met countless civilians, countless, countless people in America and Britain and all over Europe and Asia. They don't even, they don't even know this history. Most of them wouldn't support it if they actually knew what truly happened. And even if they do support it, it's not the same as governments and militaries. Whenever we talk about these things, we're talking about governments and militaries, the oppression of governments and militaries. This is the truth of wearing the poppy. When you were the poppy, you're remembering those who killed your brothers and sisters, 2.5 million of them, destroyed our Khilafah, invaded our lands, gave Palestine away, put puppet governments that worked for them for over a hundred, for almost a hundred years now, left us forced to live outside of our lands. Do you think I want to live outside of Iraq? I dream almost every single day of going back. Every single one of you, I'm sure, would love to go back if it was just comfortable, prosperous, and not always in death and destruction, oppressive governments, poverty. That's what we live under. We live under this not because we don't have resources, not because we're too dumb to figure out how to fix our own situation. We have countless, extremely intelligent people. People who can run the utility, people who can run the economy, people who can run the military and the politics. We have everybody, we have more than enough. What, what kind of insanity is this to think that an ummah that is one quarter of the planet, doesn't have the resources? Oh, we're so divided. Really? Look at America right now. Look at how divided they are. Look at how much the Trump followers and the Biden followers and the neutral people, and they all hate each other, and yet they still have a running country. Even with our divisions of the Madahib and so on, we are still united. We don't have that hatred towards each other. 
So we have to understand, when we look at these elements of history, we have to be very careful of what we support. And we don't reject these things because we just hate this society, we hate this. That's not it. People, some people will try to emotionally blackmail you by, by saying, oh, see, that's what you're trying to do, and that's not true. We know that as neighbors and as citizens, we actually care a lot about everyone around us, and that's a fact. But the problem is, is when we're talking about government policy and our history, let's not be fooled. We're not fools. We're not bitten from the same hole twice. Well, it seems to be we're bitten from the same hole 500 times in a row, but it's about time we take a step back and say, hold on, let's, let's just look at what's going on and understand the truth of these things. And I want to remind you that these types of khutbahs are equal to the khutbahs about salah and about taqwa and about khushu' and about memorizing the Quran and about family values. They are all ahkam from Allah Azza wa They are all guidance from Allah Azza wa They are all a part of our deen. Rasulullah was unable to do anything for the Muslims in Mecca until he moved to Medina and established political independence as one was able to have a political will and stop oppression from hurting his people and impose policies that would protect people. Not just his people, but everyone else. As if Quraysh wasn't oppressive. الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين Some people will say but this, but, the, but this event has changed It's become about the fallen soldiers Okay, so then let's celebrate Christmas and Halloween It used to be about worshipping Jesus It used to be about warding off the dead With like scary things, so but it's, become, it's become about candy and gifts. Let's celebrate Easter. Let's celebrate uh, Diwali and all the other event, all the other celebrations that are polytheism or, or things that Islam does not allow. Well, they change. It's about dancing. It's about, well, of course, that's, that's not haram, <laughs> men and women mixing and so on. But still, it's about having fun. It's about, what's, what's the problem? In order to understand what we do as Muslims, we look at the root. Where does it come from? If it comes from the guidance of Allah Azza wa Jal, we do it. If it comes from something corrupt, we don't do it. What's the root source of this? Remembrance Day and Veterans Day and so on. It comes from a corrupt source. It's not about commemorating the fallen. We, even Rasulullah when he saw a funeral passing, he became sad. It was a non-Muslim, it was a Jew. The Prophet became very sad. And the Sahaba said, asked him why he was sad. And he said, because a soul slipped out of, out of my hands. We're not shaitan. We don't want people to go to Jahannam. We don't, we feel bad for all these soldiers who ended up fighting in wars, like the soldiers who went to Iraq. How many soldiers came back and they, and they don't know what to do with themselves because they're so upset that they were tricked into going into a war they thought was about peace and justice because they don't, they don't know how to think. They're not politically aware. It's not their fault. Truly, Allah Azza will judge them. But for us, when we look at them, we feel bad for them. We understand. You didn't know any better, a lot of them. Some of them go in there and they love the killing and so on. Okay, fine, those are, those are the scum of, earth, of the earth. But even some of those end up saying, what have I done? And they want to repent. What, bad people can't repent? Lots of people in the, in the past, really terrible people have repented. But when we look at the, the history of these things, we look at these soldiers, it's not about condemning the soldiers. It's about understanding our history. It's about understanding and this is one of the most important things that we must do as an ummah today. Understanding that we must stand up as mu'mineen 
in our salah, in our fasting, in our knowledge of our aqidah, in our knowledge of fiqh and ahkam shari'iyah, we have to be strong and firm when it comes to male-female relations. We don't commit haram in these things. We memorize Quran. We are good community members. We build masajid. We spread knowledge. We carry da'wah. And we become politically aware. We become politically astute. I want to remind you of a hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, كانت بنو إسرائيل تسوسهم الأنبياء Bani Israel used to have their political affairs managed by prophets. Tasusum. Anybody who knows Arabic, siyasa is politics. Siyasa, we use the word today, siyasa. It means politics. The Prophet ﷺ said, Bani Israel used to have their affairs, and he used the word tasusum. Tasusum is a verb form of the word siyasa. So therefore, their politics was, their affairs, politics. They're the same thing, by the way. Politics and managing public affairs they're this exact same thing. You can manage politics according to man-made law, according to Nazism, according to socialism, according to whatever it is that you want, or the guidance of Allah Azza wa Jal. What we have done as an ummah, we have accepted secularism as a way of life, without even realizing it. What we've done is we've separated the Quran and Sunnah from, from politics. And now we can see the ummah bringing it back together again. We can see this. And we need to do more until we unite them back again as they are originally meant to be because Allah Azza revealed the whole thing as one. Allah Azza's instructions of وَأَقِيمُ salah is the exact same thing for every single hukum related to the bay'ah of a khalifa, political unity, things related to establishing governors, establishing the gold and silver currency system, land laws, taxation, everything you can think of. It's all from Allah Azza wa Jal. Secular societies will teach us, no, 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 don't worry about these things. Focus on your iman, focus on your masajid, eat your halal meat, mess, even hijab, you can have it, maybe we'll argue a little bit about it, but you know, it's still okay, you can still do it. You fight, fight for your freedom. But the truth of the matter is, Allah Azza says, all of it is from Him. Allah Azza says, and I'll end with this. Allah Azza, uh, in, in the time of Bani Israel, Allah Azza commanded Bani Israel four things. He told them, don't kill each other. Don't expel each other from your homes. Don't call for an empty towards each other. And if one of you is taken hostage, you have to go and pay the, the, the ransom. So they, when somebody was taken hostage, they paid the ransom and they ignored the other three. They didn't implement them. So Allah Azza tells us in the Quran about them and he says, Allah just says in the Quran, do you believe in a part of the book and disbelieve in a part? And they didn't say we don't believe in, a, in that part. Rather, they said, we just are not going to implement it. So what we're doing today, we're taking a part of the, of the deen and we're ignoring a part. And Allah just says in the Quran, and the, the, the compensation for whoever does this, there's no other compensation except for humiliation in this dunya. And on the day of judgment, you'll be punished. A severe punishment. And Allah is not unaware of what we're doing. Look at us today. Now may Allah not punish us. May Allah, may Allah forgive us and, and, and give us uh, His forgiveness and reward for our attempts to change things. But look at the humiliation that we're facing. 
We are the only ummah in the world that you can come on, come to and step on and insult and spit on and kill and we can do nothing about it. Every other nation has somebody to stand up for them. And every single one of our countries is a colonial puppet and we have no political will or say. And that's our situation. May Allah Azzawajal restore the dignity to this ummah and bring the deen back up to where it belongs as a leader in this world for the Muslims and a guidance for the non-Muslims. Amin Allahumma Amin. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe. Share and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.